Doors are closing. Hello, uh, welcome back to Looking Differently. Uh, today, the one talking right now here is me, Trisno, um, and I'm joined with Rifki. Hi. Yeah, so he's here. Yeah, Rifki is a painter and artist and art educator. Uh, we're going to talk about our relationships with nearby places outside of Singapore, just across um, both the land and sea borders. Uh, as you can guess from today's title. So yeah, so uh, we're going to start with Rifki's uh, story. Uh, maybe Rifki, you can talk about... Uh, as an artist, right, at one point in time, you referred to yourself as the Causeway Kid. Uh, yeah, can you just say why? I've always been living along the borders of Singapore. So I mean, my whole life, I grew up in Woodlands. So Woodlands is like a border town in the north, right? And it's very close to JB, Johor Bahru. And it's the only thing that's connected between Woodlands and JB is the causeway. Yeah, so I've, I grew up in Woodlands and I do have families in JB. So we usually, me and my family usually make trips uh, every weekend or every other weekend to see our families. Yeah, so that, that sounds a lot like, I guess, similar to my own experience growing up because I have relatives in Tanjung Pinang, which is uh, on the island of Bintan, uh, on the southern part of it. And there's a direct ferry to Tanjung Pinang from Tanamera Ferry Terminal, uh, which, which uh, operates every day. And every school holiday, I would be in Tanjung Pinang, even if... Even if it's, you know, during the one-week holidays. Uh, so over there, I would be visiting family. Um, and yeah, you know, like uh, doing stuff together with the rest of the family. Uh, traveling around the place. Uh, going to the beach uh, on the northern side of the island at Bintan, which um, I guess more people will be familiar with in Singapore. Yeah, so... Um, but beyond... But there are many people in Singapore who do go to JB on weekends and everything, but they might not really call themselves uh, Causeway Kids. But why Why you feel strongly about oh. that identity? Yeah, so on top of that, um, there was a period of my life where I lived there uh, in JB for four years. I think between the year of 2011 and 2014. Yeah. About four years... Uh, during my diploma, I, I was in an art school and then I was commuting back and forth. So and hence it was Causeway Kid because I was um, commuting daily from JB to Singapore every single day. So about four hours a day around there. Uh, maybe could you just uh, give a, a brief uh, story about how you, uh, you and your family ended up staying in, in JB for four years? So um, I think my parents always had plans. Uh, they always had a dream or some like a retiring dream, like for to sort of retire in Malaysia. I think everyone wants that generally in Singapore. I'm not sure, but uh, to have a big ass house in in Malaysia, uh, I think that was kind of their plan. Uh, but for some reason. Um, wanted to live there. Uh, I think also due to the part uh, we have some like also like economic reasons, right? Um, and like in due, due to finance as well. Uh, uh, we made the big decision of moving. Uh, yeah, so 
that was the key factor. We sort of sold, sold our house in Woodlands and we moved to JV uh, on rent. So that was interesting. Yeah. Um, and specifically, which part of JB was that? So I, I initially was at Perling, Taman Perling. It was a about like a 40-minute uh, car ride away from the causeway or 15 minutes away from the second link, which is the other bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was Perling. And then... I stayed there for about two years and then another two years was even nearer to the city. Uh, both places were on rent. Economically cheaper, of course, um, because of the you know currency, the ratio, right? Yes, it was affordable for us to live there. Yeah, a lot of things, cost of living was a lot more for us than back then, yeah. Oh, could you like just give... Uh uh, breakdown of what a day is like <clears throat> during your four years in JB, right? Um, what was it like uh, commuting, you know, from wherever you stayed, uh, Taman Perling, um, uh, and into Singapore? What What is a regular day like for you? So our day starts, also, sorry, like before that, I live with, the, with my family of five and I'm the eldest. So I was still schooling together with my two other siblings. So uh, back then we were in our in my I was in my secondary school, so the day usually school starts at seven a.m. right. But because uh, we live in JV, I think had to wake up at four four thirty. Uh, my dad would usually drive us, so the whole family uh, commute via a car, work in Singapore. So everyone works and studies, in, but only lives in Malaysia. At four thirty. Everyone ends their work around six. My dad would like literally pick us all around Singapore and then we go home together. Yeah. So that was secondary school, I guess. Oh yeah, and then, and I remembered like sort of being late for my O level paper because of the traffic jam in Causeway. Yeah, I remember crying in the car because <laughs> I flung that paper. It was a social studies paper. Yeah. yeah, I flung that paper, I think. This should include um, people living in um, in Johor as part of uh, social studies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a legit case. And then they will be late for that paper, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. So, uh, so, so growing up, you know, you said you spent weekends in uh, in JB in Jabaru, and then, um, and then you, you uh, at one point in time, your family spent four years living there. Uh, what were some of you know? Uh, what was it like for you? Like, what were some core memories that you that you formed um, in in those days that 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 you, that you know you think really left uh, left a mark on you? Core memories. Um, uh, you know anything? Uh, maybe I, I'll start with my example. So, um, uh, I used to, I used to um, go back. That's the term I would say. I right? go back every school holiday, um, and we would be gone, you know, uh, from from Singapore for a good uh, three weeks for the June and December holidays, and then practically the entire week in uh, March and September holidays. So, uh, growing up, I had very little friends in Singapore outside of school. 
I had very little friends. Um, it it it. I guess it didn't really help. Also, because uh, I live in uh, a private uh, housing in Gilang, um, so even even my neighbors, I only know um, one or two people. Um, uh, because there at that point in time, most of the residents were foreign workers, uh, or even you know. Um, uh, pe- people who do sex work in the brothel so but that's a different story um, uh, so I didn't have friends outside of school in Singapore growing up uh, and in Indonesia it was practically where I felt that I was uh, myself uh, because in a way in Singapore it's just to study um, and then in Indonesia I was free you know to play I have friends my neighbours uh, especially my cousins. So, um, yeah, I realized I realized only later on when I was in polytechnic. Um, actually, not even then. Actually, in secondary school, I, 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 I really, I had friends, uh, close friends even. Um, because by then, I think by secondary school, I would go to Indonesia less often because of uh, remedial classes, uh, having to study, uh, all sorts of reasons so I I noticed that I, I, I did find it slightly harder to connect to a lot of my uh, schoolmates they're, they're uh, brilliant people very nice people um, but I realized that I was still uh, slightly uh, a bit of an outsider in some cases sometimes um, yeah so um, so that, that, that was one part about growing up in two countries I, I that's how I would, I would, I would call it um, and then also being you know um, a citizen only on, on one side and that was also another very strange part about growing up because um, a, a lot of my friends I think think that I'm Indonesian uh, but I'm not uh, and a lot of uh, a lot of people in Indonesia always ask me where do you prefer Singapore or Indonesia but it's hard to choose for me so, you know, these are the kinds of things um, that as a, as a, you know, like uh, early teen uh, kind of kid, uh, these are things that um, I, I, I think about, uh, maybe not, not as much when I was going through it, but after going through it, I do think about like a... Um, why you know why why I why why did I feel slightly different from my friends? Um, how come I can't even? How come I can't really um, connect with the Indonesians also in my secondary school because uh, most of them were from Jakarta and very affluent uh, people, even if they're not from Jakarta. So uh, yeah, I, I, there was always this slight gap, and I think that 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 shape me growing up you know that whole uh, going back and forth um, well, what about for you uh, I'm not saying it's a negative or a yeah. positive you know it's just how things were back then yeah uh, I think I had a pretty much similar case um, except that I don't know the shift to Malaysia was for me foreign I think I was familiar and comfortable I decided to, we decided to shift to Malaysia, right? So Malaysia to me was already a foreign land. 
but that's my home now, you know. But yeah, during that period of time, I was constantly questioning my sense of belonging. Because I was studying and making friends in Singapore, but I'm living in Malaysia, but I don't live, live, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's not, uh, I don't have a social life in Malaysia. I'm just basically there to sleep and go to work the next day just to live uh, more affordably, but then to work and study, sort of flourish in Singapore. Yeah, so I, when, I, when I was, when after secondary school, I got into art school, was already like normally commuting already. So this time with, with, without a car, so I would usually take the bus. A lot more walking now. I would uh, commute four to five hours. On a Friday, it's crazy. Uh, more than five hours because it's jammed. But, uh, I, see my, I saw myself having even lesser and lesser social uh, life in, in Singapore. So I barely have friends because I need to go home uh, immediately. Uh, I didn't stick around as much so I was mainly in Singapore for school but then home also wasn't as homely because it was just a house to me so uh, you so, so because um, there, there were times when I would go to JB in the afternoon uh, and then at the causeway at the immigration um, there was once uh, I saw school kids school kids uh, you know like in the bus loads, you know, they were they would run out of the bus, so full of energy. They, uh, they would run down the the, the counters uh, of the uh, to to scan their passport and and then go and then just clear immigration. And I thought that was to me that was um, so. I don't know. I was just like, whoa! Okay. People actually go to school on the other side of the border, and and, and these kids do this every day. I was so um, both amazed and shocked and like what really struck me was how the immigration checkpoint was like a playground to them. They were full of energy, laughing, running down the aisles. Um, yeah, and I wondered like, whoa, like what, what would it be like, you know, to to do this uh, on the daily? So I guess that was your, your life back then. Yeah, so... When I was in secondary school, like I, I mean, my school was a border town school, so it was very near the border. So, I, of course, there I have like um, Malaysian friends as well. So I finally could relate to them, traveling back and forth. And our lives were not pretty much as not not the same as um, other Singaporeans, you know, because I guess. My Malaysian friends, my Malaysian classmates, they were made to like be independent at such a very young age. Uh, and come to think of it, actually, all these people commuting back and forth, they're about the same students or all the way to workers, migrant workers even, right? So, yeah, we're all on the same level, like literally commuting there, uh, either through bus or motorcycle or car. So, um, so did you find for you like do you find more commonalities with um, uh, your Malaysian friends who were uh, crossing the border every day also yeah like I totally 
eight also. I also know, know of other Singaporean families who commute also. During that period, what I realised was there was a end or like more like a phenomenon of like probably Malay families or Singaporean families that go overboard, like, like overseas, uh, holding their Singaporean citizenships, but to work and study in Singapore. Actually a pretty common phenomenon until today as well. So this is all due to um, rising cost of living or, you know, um, yeah, yeah, like just yeah, economic situations. Okay, that's another thing that I, I noticed. Like a lot of the... Uh, two things actually. Number one is that I find that um, this this uh, act, right, for people who live, uh, whose lives are so intertwined with the borders of Singapore and Malaysia, uh, or Singapore and, and Indonesia, like uh, this act of like crossing the border becomes a equalizing like experience for everybody like regardless of where your, your station is in life you still have to chop your passport you know you will go through an express lane on one side and maybe a slightly longer lane on the other side whichever country you come from uh, that's one another thing is that I also realized that a lot of people who um, because I also whenever I make my trips back to Tanjung Pinang the demographics are very clear, you know, the people on the ferries, there were tourists, and then the, there, there were tourists, you know, like from Singapore, whether tourists um, going through Singapore to go to Bintan, or Singaporean families um, going there for holiday, but that's less likely because they would usually go straight to Bintan resorts, but... Um, the, the, the demographic I see most often on these ferries are people who are familiar faces because these are people who I've seen on the ferries, you know, my last trip or whatever. They are people with families there. And um, you can just tell uh, or make a guess um, based on, you know, how they present themselves, you know, uh, what they wear, how they talk. You get a sense that, um, I got a sense that uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of people who who do have families uh, across the border or, or have to cross the borders for, for their own personal reasons tend to come from uh, 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 not uh, from a more like uh, lower or middle income kind of uh, parts of Singapore I don't know whether you, you notice that also um, like, like I mean they're, they're not necessarily the very rich kind of people because um, at least I didn't see that on, on my trips lah. Yeah. yeah totally like I mean, the, the 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 faces every day I see, these are like workers, like people of the working class, usually art backgrounds, to be honest. Um, also, I guess the way we move as well, cross borders, sort of, I don't know, in a way, it sort of it can toughen us in a way because uh, the space of an immigration checkpoint can be very like, you know, can rub you off a lot you know can so it's it, like it can tire you you know treatment of that space every day you're holding a very important document which is your passport tax security clearance and all that under like, while being surveillanced you know experiences are very unique 
as compared to a normal <laughs> Singaporean who commutes daily to work, you know, to an MRT in an aircon, don't have to sweat and walk the causeway or something like that, you know? Yeah, which, which, which makes me um, find uh, these kind of immigration spaces very uh, interesting and strange to, to some extent because um, one thing I, I, I feel about crossing immigration in Indonesia at the, at the ferry terminal in Tanjung Pinang uh, is that when, 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 when you arrive from the ferry, there will be two lanes. One lane is, one queue is for the Indonesians and the other queue will be for other passports, which is where I would queue in. And, and what I always uh, wonder is how the treatment is so different, but we go through the same experience uh, for some day in, day out. For me, um, back then it was every school holiday, but now it's uh, at one point in time in my life after university, it was a monthly uh, process. So we do this so often. Uh, we see, f- you know, regulars in the queue. Uh, we see faces that we we are familiar with. <coughs> um, to the point that you you can't tell whether they're Singaporeans or Malaysians or Indonesians. Like <coughs> I feel like the 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 this this is a ritual that everybody goes through. But once we land, right? Um, we are uh, our passports suddenly you know give us very different treatment yeah this was the case for me on the Indonesia side of the border so I would guess it's the same thing with an Indonesian who arrived in Singapore you know they can't clear as fast as I do so I I, I find this I see like I understand the need for for surveillance and um, these kind of like border uh these reinforcements and, and checkpoints and security at our border but I feel that there's something about it that I find very strange because uh, the question that I, I was asking is like what makes these people in the queue some of whom go through this every day on, this, on the non, non-Indonesian queue like what makes them less of an Indonesian such that you know they can't go into the Indonesian queue because these are people who speak like um, someone holding an Indonesian passport. Uh, they live their lives in Indonesia. And I would argue the same like, for Indonesians who come into Singapore pretty often, you know, like what makes them less Singaporean than, than uh, some of us. It's just because of their passport. I just thought it's a very funny thing. What, what, what are your thoughts on it? I think at the borders, usually, there's a whole bunch of mix-ups, right? Like, like a lot of very varying crossing identity. Yeah, but there's, there's this one interesting um, observation had from a friend. He said, like, Singaporeans have a certain look, an aesthetic towards them. I don't know what exactly it is, but Malaysians look different than Singaporeans. They're like, huh? How? Like, how so, you know? Because I can be a Malay Singaporean and then you're a Malay Malaysian. You probably pretty much look the same. Uh, I mean, skin color-wise. But as what they said, I don't know, according to them, the way we bring ourselves, like, we, yeah, act or something. But the most stark difference is the passports, basically. Mm. When we just start to diverge from the checkpoint you know like 
Malaysians go there. I mean, other passports than Singaporeans. That's the only difference, I guess. Yeah. But you 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 can tend to spot out. I don't I don't know. Like I guess you can you can spot out like how do Malaysians look, how do Singaporeans look, but. Time after time, I think it's just like it's gonna be the same. Everything, everyone's the same, literally. Yeah, I I guess uh, these kind of like immigration areas, you can you can you can you can spot like you know like who's from which country and all that. But um, I uh, for me, what what I I, I felt was um, you know despite these differences, right? Some of the uh, more regular Singaporeans who would cross into Tanjung Pinang. Some of them are like really chummy with the immigration uh, guys. They know them, you know, they, they much more than some of the Indonesians in the Indonesian queue, which, which for me was like interesting because these are people who probably belong there as much as, you know, the Indonesians, people holding Indonesian passports. But uh, they are still given the treatment of, you know, on uh, uh, in terms of you know legally like an outsider you know you, you have to join the Singapore queue um, despite you know the immigration uh, officers are being like your best friends or something like that not saying that they should jump the queue because of that that's illegal um, but there, there's this funny thing about how like uh, very I mean we're talking about Singapore and Malaysia and Indonesia where they have really strong border security um, which you know is agnostic to real life uh, agnostic to social relationship and social uh, experiences of people uh, uh, who live in, in, in the in the area and, and who cross these borders every day yeah. but for you you know like uh, growing up in uh, growing up with so much uh, interactions with Johor Bahru uh, what are some, you know, like uh, things you you notice that you think um, other Singaporeans might not have, you know, uh, like you know in terms of like, not not really things you notice, but things that cross your mind, you know, like stereotypes. You you might have heard from friends in Singapore, stereotypes of uh, JB. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure there there's shreds of truth in in it, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like. Um, I always get the a kind of suspicion or something like that like with my other Singaporean friends who would ask me like are you sure do you live you are living in Malaysia is it safe because there's this always that stereotype that Malaysia is unsafe or Indonesia country that is safe is Singapore so Singaporeans have to tend to have that mentality a lot but they still go to JB to shop for cheap and buy petrol and, you know, buy everything, make use of the resources there while still having that idea that, you know, Malaysia might be a third world country. Uh, and uh, it's actually very difficult. Like. But I guess as a Singaporean living abroad, I, again, I got the chance to sort of prove to them <laughs> that, you know, it's actually okay. Um, I will sometimes bring them over and then go to my house and then I'll uh, their tour guide around. They are more like, like convinced, I guess, that Malaysia is an okay place. Yeah, but that was year very like quite a while back, many years ago. But I think right now, other relationships relations are getting a lot better. 
people can travel more independently to JB a lot uh, more. And I guess JB yeah. has become a little more like Singapore now, to be honest. Like, uh, catered to Singaporeans, basically. Quite interesting how the landscape has changed. Because the, the only... Con- the What runs the JB economy is uh, usually from Singaporean money. Yeah, which is why um, uh, when COVID happened, it was such a big, um, such a big blow uh, economically to, uh, I'm sure to JB, but uh, in Tanjung Pinang, uh, Bintan, and Batam also, they were running so much on tourism money, uh, or at least money that come in because of their connections to Singapore. Um yeah, so when, when COVID happened, it was so different. It was such a, you know, such a shock to a lot of uh, a lot of us. I couldn't go back. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, at, at different points in time, there were, they would make exceptions for people to, to cross the borders. But then, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know about you, but um, but by then you were already back in Singapore, right? Yes, yeah. You already your family has moved back, um, yeah. So, uh, no, we can talk talk about COVID later on. Uh, but now, um, uh, you know, when it comes to all these stereotypes and everything, um, what about Malaysians? You know, like uh, mm-hmm. I I know you said that you, you didn't really have much of a social life uh, in JB, but did, did did you meet Malaysians and then uh, did they uh, how did they react to you being Singaporeans over there? Yeah, I I know this from basically my cousins, like because they are all Malaysians and my relatives in in Malaysia, so I sort of got to know how uh, what Malaysians think of Singaporeans generally. Yeah, but yeah, usually <laughs> my cousins think that um, Singaporeans are quite uppity and like, you know, up like very atas. You know? Yeah, I think be- just generally because we have more spending power, stronger economy perhaps. But in base, I do get a sense that they think Singaporeans are quite... <laughs> some ways, I don't know... Um, I mean, I, I made friends, I made some friends in KL once, heartless or bored. I can see that. I can, I can. Mm. Yeah, Singaporeans go to JB to escape, you know? Yeah, because it's so stressful here, right? But yeah, like, yeah, generally Malaysians think that way. Uh, but come to think of it, I think, for me at least, as a Singaporean, I think Malaysians, at least my relatives, they are a lot more warmer. Life, it's mm. actually <laughs> yeah. within the family did you feel that um, in Malaysia uh, did you feel that your status as a Singaporean um, did, 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 was there uh, did, did that cause any kind of like uh, do you think it whether by chance or also um, um, by choice you know it, it set up a wall around you and, and some of your relatives or, or uh, you know, things are just as usual for you guys. Uh, do you think uh, your your difference in citizenship, your nationality, was it? Uh, you know, did it cause uh, any kind of risks? You know, in your you and uh, in your family. 
Not that I know of, but we definitely see our differences. Uh, the way we live. Also recently, I've been trying to reconnect with my relatives. Because back then, I, I was actually very pretty foreign to them. Yeah, so... Riffs, uh, I don't think so. I think we... I guess our whole like family situation is quite a mixed bag. Because technically, I have... We, we don't just have families from just JB. I have relatives from everywhere, all over the place, from KL to Penang, Kano, and things like that. Quite a big family. As long as we're family, we don't really... Just nationalities. Yeah, for me, um, for me, I also... Because I have cousins when I was... Uh, when I was younger, I would meet all my cousins. My cousins who live... Uh, some of whom live in Tanjung Pinang and some of whom uh, live in Padang in West Sumatra. They would gather uh, for Hari Raya in Tanjung Pinang. Um, yeah, for me, it's just that when you get to know each other as kids, you know, you're kids. You, you see each other, you get to know each other as who you are. But growing up, um, as, as we met up less often, I think I start to feel foreign uh, towards them. I think it's less to do with my nationality and more to do with uh, just me being around less often. Uh, yeah, uh, I think that is just part of life. But now that I'm I'm an adult and I have uh, slightly more control of my time outside of work, yeah, you know, I also do try to make an effort to reconnect, uh, to catch up with them and all that. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, do, do, was there, were there things, um, uh, how, how was it like, uh, were there things that, that you, you experienced, you know, during your time in Malaysia that uh, you think changed the way you see Singapore and or Malaysia? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think this is one point of time where my our house got robbed. So that was quite this was kinda of traumatic actually. Um just one but twice actually. So that was a uh I was in Perling. Yeah. Apparently from what I know I gathered information because the houses were in rows and every alternate row gets robbed. Every other week, alternate week. So that was kind of funny, but also very scary. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that sort of woke me like, in a way that um, as things like this wouldn't happen in Singapore because they're really policed and surveilled, right? But in Malaysia, you just have to be careful. Trust that, you know, you, yeah, you might be have to prepare for the worst sometimes. I guess that was the decision when we decided to an apartment because there was security. But to many Malaysians, uh, crimes like these are pretty common. Yeah, I go, I, that was my first time being exposed to an actual crime, which was um, kind of shocking in a way. So to me... I thought, you know, this was just a one-off thing. But to more, to other Malaysians, they would be like, yeah, it's pretty much common. And then you can't really do much about it because uh, 
the police is not great here. You know, that's what they... They'll just be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that, that was my greatest learning. And yeah, yeah, the only difference about Malaysia and Singapore, I guess, is the safety. Sometimes we take things for granted, like, I think, Singaporeans. Yeah, because uh, we would, you know, go into JB just to have a good time, uh, shop and all that. Uh, but uh, did, did the robbery happen uh, while you were, you guys were home? We were away. Uh, just nice. We were away for dinner. The only thing they robbed was like, they didn't find anything much in our house. Fairly empty, but... Yeah, they robbed like two, they took away two laptops and then uh, they messed up all my mom's folded clothes, which she was very pissed about. Just folded them. <laughs> so, uh, it was kind of funny. And then, yeah, I mean, it was really a, ni- a nice house. Like, Singapore, I lived in a flat. In JB, I suddenly am in a terrace. So, that was very interesting because I have all this space. Um, ever can get that kind of space in Singapore. That was an experience. Yeah. Uh, and later on, you moved to a condo yeah. where your mom's folded clothes are all safe. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but was it, um, you know, like, was it in terms of size, was it similar to a flat here? I think it was equivalent to a jumbo unit. That was pretty luxurious. I remember I got my own room. I had my had her own room and yeah, so do our parents and it was a rented apartment. Um wrong it was about one point eight thousand uh, sorry. 1,800 ringgit a month. Around 600 now, I guess. Yeah, for a jumbo five-room condo. But it's a pretty old condo. Uh, Pretty nice views though. Um, But the downside is when it rains, the whole building shakes. (laughs) So... It was a hurricane in the house. <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah, so I, I think some at least uh, I think for some people it's a mystery why some Singaporeans would want to live uh, in JB, for example. Uh, besides, you know, uh, personal reasons, whether it could be for economic reasons and all that, uh, you can't deny that there are certain things that you will never get in Singapore. Uh, for people who 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 can afford um, uh, less, uh, in this case, you know, uh, much ho- much uh, larger homes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but despite that, you also felt that those were not homes to you. Those were just houses because you only stayed there. Yeah. So I was there, and yeah, because I was there for a while, and then. I always thought this is a phase, like a temporary phase in our family. And that we would go back to Singapore one day. But I never knew when. Lah. But 
but I never sort of belonged. Yeah, I never found like neighbors or anything. Because it's pretty hard, difficult, I guess. It's just the area. Have you met other Singaporeans who shared um, similar kind of experiences as you? And then how, how do they compare? They're pretty much the same as me. Like I had, uh, I don't know of any friends, but my mom's friends have their own families as well. Like also live abroad. Yeah, her friend has much younger kids primary school and things like that. They usually would take the bus scola to the yellow bus. Uh, what about Malaysians? I mean, did, were there people who you got to compare notes with and then maybe even talk about, you know, like things like sense of belonging and all that? Okay, so... When I was in secondary school, I know a handful of Malaysians. Actually, was the highest number of Malaysians in that school area. So, apparently all that all, all those Malaysians that I know, they were actually very talented Malaysians. Like, why are they doing... Like, I was wondering, like, why are they doing in a random neighborhood school with a very low cutoff point for PSLE? Because I was there... Um, yeah, I was just there because, you know, I didn't do... I got posted to that school. I Yeah, I found this group of Malaysians who are extremely smart. Uh, apparently, they very good Chinese school in JB. Uh, and then they came to Singapore. They're all straight A students. Uh, but they have a mission in a way. Because they know that the education system in Singapore is a lot more better than Malaysia. That's why they want to graduate in Singapore and get better opportunities. Sort of see Singapore's education go further. So right now I'm still in contact with them are all overseas as doctors and lawyers. Uh, all from just this small neighborhood school that we all graduated from. Yeah. Mm. Um, where, then, um, where, where, how has things changed, you know? Uh, when did you move back to Singapore and how has your relationship with uh, JB changed over the years? Oh, I had to move back to Singapore nearer, nearing to NS. I think uh, our family thought that, yeah, it would be a lot more complicated uh, when I'm starting to go to NS because of the commute and everything. So my mom and dad was trying pretty hard to get a house here. So... That period, I think it was around 2015, right before NS, I was uncle's flats. Um, 
so our uncle just sort of gave some space for the, our family of five to live in this very tiny shoebox apartment uh, while we search for a house. Family really pulled all the money you can get uh, to finally settle for a house. Just nice in Amokyo, which is pretty. Yeah, so those were that period where it was quite interesting because our family was literally living in you know those one one room houses uh rent houses yeah so we were living there for a good half year i think all together with our boxes of things it literally went from five room jumbo in apartment in jb and all of our things uh just was squeezed in in one of one tiny apartment while we searched for our house. So that was an, a pretty interesting time of my life, actually. Mm. Uh, what about now? You know, like how has your relationship with JB changed over the years? Oh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, it hasn't changed much. I always found JB to be extra familiar now. Um, I could independently go to JB on my own. Sort of feel slightly more safe. Bonus also because I speak the language, like, and I can sort of speak Malay to other Malaysians. Yeah, nothing much has changed. I mean, uh, but I do feel closer. Not so foreign anymore. Yeah. Uh, for me, because uh, my mom has friends in Singapore, uh, when when she met my dad in Indonesia and then eventually settled down in Singapore, a lot of her friends uh, were people of similar backgrounds to her. Uh, they were fellow Indonesians who married uh, Singaporean men and settled down. So uh, growing up, I, 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 I know a few families. Um, they're basically my mom's friends uh, who, whose families are you know, uh, of two nationalities. I mean, their parents are of two nationalities. And a lot of them are, were in similar um, socioeconomic situations. Like, um, uh, you know, some, some of us don't own property in Singapore. Um, and and down the line, you know, as we grew up, it led to certain complications. Uh, uh, that you know, like you know, when 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 parents uh, split up or something, uh, uh, you know, the the where the where the home ownership goes, and then people end up living in rental housing in Singapore, or some you know start to commute back and forth for uh, Batam in Singapore. So, yeah, I I think there is this. Uh, there is this um, lesser known demographic uh, in, in Singapore of people who who has very who live like almost like amphibious lives uh, with uh, Singapore, Batam, uh, Tanjung Pinang, or Bintan, um, and 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 yeah. So uh, it makes me wonder how how for many people in Singapore these places are still a very foreign place. You know, like for you, uh, even though you, you know, like even though you, while in Malaysia, you didn't really immerse yourself in, in Malaysia because you were in Singapore uh, during the day, uh, you still do feel some kind of um, 
uh, like you said, uh, you know, familiarity with, with JB. Uh, why why do you think that's the case for you? Because even though you don't really spend much time going around in Malaysia, I don't know. Like I feel like I felt like um, if I were to live here, I mean there there was one point in my life I was thinking like you know what if I never like I will never, so might as well know the country a bit more. So. Yeah, from then on, um, I st- I start to look around more. Yeah, I, I was an art student, so I was trying. I think I started out sourcing materials locally in JP, trying to do that, which was interesting. So like I got to know the neighborhood sort of. That was quite funny because I wasn't acting like a local. I was literally like grabbing everywhere. On in a taxi, yeah. I was in a taxi everywhere, which is not common for most Malaysians. Uh, because the public system, public transport system is quite difficult to navigate. I found myself going around a lot in taxis and then tried to explore the city. I, I guess that was interesting. For me, um, despite feeling like I, be, I belong in Tanipidang uh, very strongly, as well as much as I do in Singapore, one thing I think that makes me extremely uh, different from many people there is that I don't know how to ride a motorbike. So, you know, everywhere I would go, I would go jack around uh, or walk, yeah. which is very weird for people there. Like, why are you walking around? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, so, so no, that's the thing, you know, like, no matter how... You know, like no matter how how much you, you see yourself as, because there was there was a point in my life also when I did have to think like okay, I don't I practically have no family in Singapore. Uh, you know what what do I do? You know, like like should uh should I should I you know think about a possible future where I don't live in Singapore anymore? You know. Uh yeah, but then, you know there are things that 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 reminds me that I'm still very much a foreigner, you know, from the littlest thing la, like the way I get around. Uh, but I still felt very much at home. Uh, this for me is because uh, in a funny way, Singapore and Tanjung Pinang demographically are very similar. Sure, um, uh, uh, Singapore has a larger Chinese presence, but in Tanjung Pinang, especially in the town areas, uh, Chinese people are very prominent there. Um, but what I noticed over there is that, you know, the, uh, the coffee shops are not like in Singapore. Um, I'm not so sure about JB, but... Uh, it, uh, there isn't a clear demarcation uh, between like so-called Chinese food, Malay food, you know that kind of thing. Of course, there are Chinese uh, food establishments and that only sell Chinese food, but you know, um, uh, there isn't things you know like for for a for a society that is very similar in terms of makeup of people's ethnicity and backgrounds. Uh, I find that people over there have less um, uh, clear divisions, you know, between races and and all that. Um, one thing for me is that uh, 
when I'm in Indonesia, right, especially in Tanjung Pinang, but in other parts of Indonesia, it's a different story. But in Tanjung Pinang, I've never really gotten asked where are you from, you know, like like what's your background, or you know, like oh what's your race, <laughs> that kind of thing, uh, which I get a lot more in Singapore and Malaysia. Uh, yeah, I just I just think it's a. It's uh, for me. It's, it's interesting how, uh, how these two places are just so close to each other. But because of they f- how they fall under different countries, uh, society plays plays out very differently. Like there are coffee shops in in Tanjung Pinang that that are run by Chinese people, and they serve like Taipeng kind of stuff. And you would see people who are definitely Muslims eating there. It's a sight you just don't see in Singapore, um, but to people it's just such a normal thing there. Yeah, you know, like these are things that I guess I sometimes wish Singapore is a bit more like. But yeah, like it, it just isn't, you know. I, I think speaking of like divisions, I, I do sometimes find being in Malaysia or JB in that case. Yeah, there's lack of that. There's less. Like divides, I think. Well, in Singapore, it's all English, right? And then, yeah. Where's the, you know, like some reason, our own races here, I don't know, at least in my school. But then, in Malaysia, everyone sort of, sort of just gels. That's just, uh, of course, but they also, also mix around with um, other races as well. I'm not sure about coffee shops, but... I guess, yeah, businesses also, they also operate multiple. Uh, this is just based on what you've seen. This, despite um, Malaysia's um, reputation, you know, for being a, some might say a, a very uh, divided country, but, but but based on what you've seen, is it? Yeah, just based on what I've seen, la, but like, it can be, this is just one, one part, one place. JB like is a city. It's a small city, not our town. So I guess don't see that much of a clear divide. Really becoming you know like a modern city, right? So everyone's just mixed. Okay. Uh, and when COVID happened, how did it uh, affect you and your family? Uh, like for me, I couldn't I couldn't go back, but I noticed like how in Singapore, right? Because I stayed in Kilang back then. Um, I noticed how suddenly. Uh, the back alleys are full of um, motorcycles uh, that are not from Singapore uh, because a lot of uh, Malaysian workers had to find um, accommodation in Singapore and Geelang was one of those places where um, you know there were a lot of available places for people to stay in Um, yeah how, how did it how did it affect your family so I have Malaysian relatives Actually, very um, a large hand, like quite a handful of them, work in Singapore, and then live in Malaysia or live in Singapore. They're generally in like a working class. Sort of during when COVID hit, uh, my aunties cannot return home. She is stuck. Then her husband and her children are in Malaysia. I think she hasn't seen them for two years. So it was quite heartbreaking. Plus was having housing trouble as well. So we housed her, we sort of invited her to our, our home. And 
Yeah, so that was pretty cool on both ends also. Um, didn't get to meet our my grandma. Yeah, we can only connect through Zoom at it, at the technology. But we got used to our... But yeah, it was very difficult for for the Malaysians that are sort of stranded here because right, the border rules, they open up. So... Uh, on my end, I, I saw how many... Like, I think Geelang became almost like Johor for a while. I mean, I don't know how how different Geelang and Johor is. I wouldn't be able to compare. But because so many people uh, stay there, you know, I felt like it became slightly more bustling than it already was. Um, More crowded. Uh, There were so many Malaysians uh, who would chill in the back alleys uh, after work, you know, and I hear all kinds of languages and accents, dialects. I couldn't tell where exactly but you know we some are from northern parts of Malaysia and all that yeah Geelong took a different character in the earlier part of um, COVID um, yeah at that point I it made me realise how many Malaysians you know work in Singapore and 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 some when I did I, some of the more friendly ones who I did talk with at the coffee shop they would say things like I'm practically Singaporean now <laughs> after these two years. And 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 it made me think also like, hey, you know what? Like they stay here, they work here, they do almost everything here, you know, like I it made me it made me constantly wonder like actually why why are they still not, you know, like I mean there's a whole legal aspect and everything, but for me, I, I wonder, like, how are they that different from another Singaporean who is perhaps also uh, doing the job that they do? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just... Yeah, and, and, and how, you know, so many of them work here. I mean, we're recording the podcast in MacPherson, Tysing, uh, and uh, this the industrial area, and probably a lot of the people working here are not Singaporeans or so, but... I don't know, for me, it's like, how how is it that we end up treating people from another country so differently when, you know, I, d- I don't know, I feel like, because like during, during COVID, I met a lot of, um, I was at a coffee shop a lot, because I can't, I can't, no, no, no COVID, not, not, not the circuit breaker period, but uh, when it opened up already, and then uh, some of them couldn't go back, right? I was meeting so many Malaysians, and then I feel like, huh, yeah, uh, they're, they're, they're Malaysian <laughs> they're so similar to I mean like I can't I can't tell other than the fact that you know they will only hang out among themselves and everything but I feel like beyond that nah, nah, I can't I, I can't yeah that's the thing you know I I feel like how are they that different from us yeah. for that she was living in a rented house with other foreigners as well Sort of stick together and not interact with the Singaporeans also. Auntie also had a comment like, like about Singaporeans in and not wanting direct. Quite sad, like you know, Singaporeans have this, still have this um, kind of perception about people outside of the country. Uh, and and we just look 
we're, we're so not attentive to our neighbors. We tend to look further out, you know, like, like other more fabulous, flashier countries. Like. Yeah, which is funny because um, at least from where I stand, like, I feel like um, these are places that are so nearby, but it's still unfamiliar to so many people. Uh, and, and, you know, I guess for some people, Hong Kong, Paris, Tokyo are more familiar places for some. Uh, and, and that's why, I mean, that's just how things are. Um, yeah, it's, I just, uh, I think it's, it's just funny how, how things are in real life, in reality, uh, that, that, uh, we share so much, you know, history, culture with with uh, nearby areas outside of Singapore, and and we've seen for ourselves, you know, a lot of Singaporeans, uh, in JB, whether they are there for holiday or they're there for you know for for their family there, and same for like Batam, Bintan, and all that, um. But yeah, because of the way things are, Singapore being a uh, much. Well, much more well-to-do country, um, bigger spending power. Uh, a lot of Singaporeans, um, if they get to spend time outside of Singapore, some of whom, uh, who if they can afford, they would choose to go to further places. Um, and then these very nearby areas become very foreign. I wanted to add also, like, it's also more than our culture, more than just our culture of interaction but also the way that Singapore is yeah, infrastructures as well like more also like, like border places Willens uh, checkpoint Tuas checkpoints uh, border places but then you also have another border place like Kangi that's an international place a very pretty border place like Changi Airport for foreigners to come why can't you make it comfortable other border places like a ferry terminal or uh, these are very two distinct uh, places very different treatments you see especially to foreigners that are coming in and out of the country that's one way we can think about things also. yeah now that you mentioned actually these are all checkpoints right they're all yeah. international checkpoints but uh, it's very clear the way we built them uh, shows how much we prioritize um, the people who go through there, right? Uh, I guess I, I guess wrap up. Um, we 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 we've been talking a lot today. Uh, I guess to wrap up, uh, yeah. Just uh, if if there's one takeaway uh, for people listening, what would you hope to he- them to gain, lah? You know, like about how what what we've been talking about in our own experiences, you know. Like uh, you know, like uh, because uh, you you probably uh, seen how people see Johor, for example. You know, like what are some new perspectives you hope people can gain, lah? Okay. I hope that like you know, Singaporean doesn't just see not not places like Germany's and things like that. But I think just hopefully get to know the country, get to know more of the land, rather. I see, I see. I, I, so I guess what I'm trying to say is that, you know, sure, go there to relax uh, and to enjoy uh, your break, your holiday. But I guess also to get to know the place better, I guess, beyond just... Is that what you mean? Yeah, beyond, yeah, beyond just spending, you know. Like, a lot of Singaporeans <laughs> I know, 
go to JB for a massage or like to top up petrol and things like that. It's just to of touch and go at that place. Literally the card. Literally, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So if you can do the same, like you can do and travel to Paris or London and like immerse in their culture and things like that. Other countries that are even more accessible. Uh, I think that's one way that we can avoid alienating one another. Yeah, and on that note, I think that's all for uh, this uh, episode of Looking Differently. Uh, we hope you will tune in to our next episode whenever it drops. Uh, thanks, Rifki, for joining us today. Thank you so much.